Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 132. Oh boy, I could just I could just feel the the animosity that we're gonna bring out today. Because we yeah. thought we'd try something a little different, a little controversial. Um But we're also gonna preface this off the bat by saying what we're going to talk about today does not take away or should take away anyone's enjoyment from the specific movies that we're going to talk about today. But what we're yes. going to talk about today is movie characters that the movie tries to portray as good people. But if you really kind of analyze it further, they really are not the heroic type that they're cracked up to be. Uh, there's a lot of examples that we could think of that were like, yeah, don't think too hard about these people because they're kind of Sketch. And some of them we've talked about in the podcast before, others we're going to get into today. And again, like we said, just because we talk about some people today doesn't mean we don't like these characters, doesn't mean we don't like these movies that they are in, just means maybe we shouldn't glorify them as great movie heroes because they are kind of far from it. But before we get into all that, Josh, how you doing tonight? Hey, buddy. I'm just chilling, man. Um, watched a movie this week. I don't know... What for? But uh, yeah, me too. One. But I, I watched yeah. one willingly in theaters. Oh, that's right. Good for you. But what, I, did, uh, what did you watch, Josh? Um. So, my dad wanted to watch Three Days to Kill with Kevin Costner. Wow, that's actor. not where I thought you were going with that. Yeah, I. I wish that I had that two hours back. Um, the fact that your dad remembers Three Days to Kill, like you at home, people, do you guys remember Three Days to Kill at all? Yeah. Is that the one with it's... Liam Hemsworth? No. Is that Empire that's State? Ke- that's it's a, with, so the one with Kevin Costner. That's, yeah. That's how much it's just like straight to DVD yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, God, man. And it was like. I think it's Amber Heard, isn't uh, it? And he was just problematic. Kinds, and um, new hot girl, a uh, hot guy, new hot guy, uh, oh, Kate Haley, Bishop, Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. yeah, she's in it. Oh, as well. so I mean, there was like a little bit of like, oh yeah, hey, you're here. I like that. That's fine. Um, but honestly, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft, um, so <laughs> I haven't really watched much. I hear someone has gone to a movie theater because I saw a video go up on the Uncharted YouTube channel of some review for some small movie that nobody was really excited for or anything like that. A movie, mind you, that is actually outgrossing the original opening weekend. To which I'm just going, let's go, boy! Movie theater's about to flex on y'all! Because A Quiet Place Part 2 made $57.5 million opening weekend, which is a big deal. One, because we're still kind of coming out of a pandemic. More and more theaters are coming out of it, which got a slight bone to pick. Heather and I saw opening night Thursday night. And then the very next day is what all basically movie theaters decided. Oh, hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks anymore in theaters. I'm just like... Missed it by that much. Because honestly, there's nothing in June I want to see. I don't care about Fast 9. Um, there's a whole bunch of nothing to me. Um, so we did see A Quiet Place Part 2 finally, which to me, A Quiet Place Part 2 is like the really, this was the movie more than anything to signify movies are back. Like Godzilla vs. Kong, 
cool, but that was also on HBO Max. Plus, Godzilla vs. Kong was always set to come out later anyway. A Quiet Place Part 2 was like the movie that was supposed to come out right as the pandemic hit. So now yeah. now that it's out, I'm just like, oh, okay, we've, we've hit play again after pressing the longest pause button ever. So in that respect, it was so nice to have it back. As a whole... It, it's going to sound negative. As a whole, I liked this movie a lot. Is it as good as the first one, though? Definitely not. But they're not going for the same thing. The first one was so masterful, in my mind, of being a metaphor for grief and the family's inability to communicate via that grief. Like, they're clearly not on the same page. Mm-hmm. This one feels much more like a live-action adaptation of The Last of Us. It's much more apocalyptic. There's much more of a, um objective-based narrative. Um, and obviously, you have to work around the issue of a certain character is not around anymore. But he's still flexing his muscle as the director. John Krasinski, I cannot wait for whatever project he does next, whether it's Quiet Place Part 3 and finish out this trilogy. Because there's definitely still some story beats that we can continue and like cap this off as a nice cohesive trilogy. Um, but John Krasinski's direction, once again, is fantastic. Uh, for those that remember the first one, you all remember the nail sticking out of the step that's mm. child's play compared to something that happens in the first 10 minutes of this of like I don't get squeamish very often but like both Heather and I are just like nope we, we cannot watch this because something <laughs> happens something happens so abruptly and since The Quiet Place is not necessarily a violent series when something does happen that is violent you're just shaking that much more to which I'm just going nope 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 but everyone's did, hmm. did somebody get their knee scraped? No, it's more just the abruptness of it. That would Fair. no. It's not nothing is evil it's dead evil bad. Dead? It's oh, not evil okay. dead bad. But all the performances are fantastic. Emily Blunt's a different type of performance this time around. The kids really have to step up, obviously, this time around, because they have much more focus on them. Killian Murphy's great. Um but I'd say it's a, a solid seven and a half to eight out of ten. Like, it's definitely not a disappointment. See this in theaters. Is it as good as the first one? No. But that being said, it was my favorite movie. The original was my favorite movie of 2018. So to even get in the relative ballpark of the original in terms of quality is nothing short of miraculous. Of the tension is still palpable. Like you're going to be holding your breath for the most of the movie. To me, it just wasn't. The story wasn't as engaging as the first one because the family dynamic is definitely different this time around. But it's still a really, really solid suspense thriller. Well, all right, man. I mean, maybe I'll have to go this weekend. Who knows? It's not like you can see anything else, really. I mean, I can see plenty of things with these two eyes. I kind of want to see um, Cruella at some point, but I can also wait I, till I can wait till yeah. that comes on DVD, though. Uh, weirdly enough, I kind of want to. Um, I've always kind of been an Emma Stone fan, not just because. Oh no, we've talked about her on the podcast several times. Yeah, she's one of our favorites. She's fantastic. She's a fantastic actress, and honestly, this. The, the way that this story, at least in the trailer, seems to be playing out it, as a villain origin story, it seems interesting enough to me. I don't know. But uh, not as quite as interesting as a movie both of us had to watch this week. Yeah, so let's let's tee that up now, Josh, shall yeah. we? You wanna... yeah, so... Why, uh, why are we it... watching bad movies again? <laughs> it's, it, it, I think the funniest thing about us bringing Five Good Things back is... We're excited to do it again, 
But then we start watching the movies, and we're like, why? Why did we do this? Why did? Why is this the? Ah, so uh, we won't. I don't think we we don't have a a, a release date yet. Not yet. We have not recorded it yet, but we've done our homework. Yes. We watched the. Yes. We've watched the painfulness that was Pacific Rim Uprising. So the second Pacific Rim. I actually told one of my coworkers today. I was just like, oh yeah, I watched the second Pacific Rim willingly this weekend, and she just looks at me like. Why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Because she's also seen it. I was just like, well, it's a long story. Blah 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 blah. Five Good Things is back, and the first one up. Not all monster movies like Godzilla vs Kong can be entertaining or even good, no matter what famous people you have, and no matter how good your previous movie was. Because, oh boy, this felt like a completely different movie franchise, and that yeah. is not a good thing. So look for that in the coming week or so. Um, by this time next week, you will probably have that available to you on the main YouTube channel is our hope. Uh, but yeah, we hope to make Five Good Things back to being a monthly segment, and it'll be its own segment. We've got the graphics prepared for that. We've more or less going to go back to the how we were when we first started five good things but it'll be its own separate segment we're super excited and dreading it at the exact same time yeah (laughs) it's kind of terrible like it's i think if if anybody went back and watched some of the old ones like it's one of those like you have to really like movies it's like everyone's like yeah but you know if you love movies you review them right or you just watch bad like really bad ones and try to come up with five at the least five thick good things. I think there's only been a few times where we've actually really, really struggled. Catwoman. Catwoman. Outcast. <laughs> oh, stop. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's 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 get to the deal that happened this week. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we talked. Was it last two weeks ago? We were talking about the rise of the streaming wars and the merger between Warner Media and Discovery. We'll talk about that later. But another thing that we talked about was it was looking more and more likely that Amazon was going to be acquiring MGM Studios. Well, uh, aside from some, I think, like, FCC regulations of just like, is this a monopoly or not? Uh, it looks all but done now that Amazon will be buying MGM Studios for $8.45 billion. Uh, this is hardly surprising, but at the same time, it kind of is. Uh, this is more or less, again, a library acquisition choice mm-hmm. from Amazon because Amazon Prime wants to be taken seriously as a streaming option and I don't mind Prime, but I think the main issue with it right now is it's kind of like a hybrid of like a Netflix mixed with a voodoo of like, you can watch anything you want, but some movies you have to pay for, some are included with Prime. I think that gets a little complicated and they really need more actual inherited library. Like their content that they have, Invincible, The Boys, um, Fabulous Miss Maisel is great. They just need more of it. Now, with acquiring MGM, they get all the Bond movies, which, what that does for the rest of the franchise, I'm not sure. Um, Rocky, I'm not sure how this affects Creed 3, but we can discuss that. There's a lot of stuff that comes with MGM. So, mm-hmm. obviously, this is a 
acquisition and library move. Do you see this as a really big deal, like the Warner Discovery thing, or do you see this as a more of like a Disney acquiring Fox thing, or less than that? How do you see this, Josh? Yeah, I think I'm with you, though. It's more of a library move than it is anything else. Um, I mean, MGM is, in my opinion, one of those legendary studios that's been in the game for a really, really long time. So, I mean, and to my knowledge, I couldn't put anything what they've come up with lately. That's um, the problem is yeah. legendary. Not legendary. That They've got their own issues. But MGM, yeah. when I think of that, it's, I always think of like, they used to have great titles, but then again, like they've been spotty, like James Bond. As much as I like Daniel Craig as James Bond, he's got about a 50-50 ratio or a yeah. lot. I think of MGM as like an old-fashioned studio and mm-hmm. not a ton of current stuff. But I think a big part of the reason why they got this was, one, to have all this content. I think it's like 4,000. It's got to be more than 4,000 titles. Because MGM is a big thing. It's also having the IP. So if they want to be like, hey, we're doing a James Bond spinoff series about the origin of MI6 and the rise of M, which you can, you can have that one, Amazon. You, yeah, you can have that, that idea. Cool. Um, they can do that. Or I don't want to say it, but how long before they approach the Lester Stallone and be like, hey, how do you feel about a Rocky origin series to which all of us are go, actually, actually. Uh-oh. Don't make it a Rocky origin story. Make it a Mickey origin story. Ooh. Of maybe he was a bum, maybe he washed out just like Mickey, yeah. just like Rocky did. And so that's why he's so hard on Rocky of, "Hey, I don't want you to follow the same trajectory that I did." And just call mm. it Eat Thunder, Crap Lightning. <laughs> or we could get some more Expendables movies. Is that MG- is that MGM? I don't know. It's Sylvester Stallone, so I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. If okay, if it was up to you, what would what would you do with the MGM property if you're Amazon? <sighs> Bro, but like, cause I'm with you though. It's what it's the movie business is a lot of what have you done for me lately, and the Bond is Bond is so spotty. Like Creed has been solid, but I think that's partially because. Sylvester Stallone is still so heavily involved with the storytelling. Well, he won't for Creed 3. How do you think that's going to affect it? Because that hasn't started production yet. See, that's tough because I would hate for them to, after not only producing a good sequel, but producing a sequel that builds on the first with Creed 2, I would hate for them to just put out something that is mediocre. Um, or like a Rocky Five or something. Um, I don't know, man. It's at the end of the day, I think this is more than this is more just like a, a library move than it is anything else. Uh, I I kind of hope not to see um, Amazon MGM Productions presents, you know, this whatever film. You know what I mean? I I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I feel about all of that. Like, okay, cool, the delivery company is now the deliverer of, of content. Oh, I hate See, that at least I think this is not a bad thing because Amazon still is pretty keen on the theatrical experience yeah. more than some other people that want to shrink it. <laughs> so I think those they're still gonna be willing to play ball. I still feel like Amazon has a lot to catch up with because 
the entertainment business is not their forte. But then again, yeah. Amazon. Back in my day, Amazon was a book retailer. And if they can evolve past selling college textbooks, then to what the, it is now, obviously they can transform into a big entertainment conglomerate. Um, I'm, I don't know who the new Amazon guy is, because yes, we have Jeff Bezos for our graphic, but Jeff Bezos is stepping down, I believe, in July. So he's just going to have to duke it out with Elon Musk of who's going to be the richest man in the world and who gets to play Lex Luthor someday. So um, I don't know what the current direction will be after Jeff Bezos steps down. I'm still kind of cautious just because... I'm not overly thrilled with what I'm hearing about the Lord of the Rings series that Amazon's doing. Yeah. So I'm just like, I don't want them to, as much as I like Invincible or The Boys, I don't want them to Invincible or The Boys every single show that we get. Yeah. Like, you need to diversify your assets. The programming that's meant for children needs to stay meant for children. You need family content. HBO Max is having the exact same issue. They focus so much on the HBO side of it that they've neglected the fact that, oh, crud kids watch streaming services too maybe we should have programming for them what no way it's almost like kids have more time to, to watch streaming services than we do mm. so this next news story is a thing for it's a thing sure that's happening yeah um i'll be honest because i want to be the positive person here it's not the worst casting i've ever seen but um it certainly ain't the best and that is that the upcoming craven the hunter spin-off movie yeah that's still a thing that's happening directed by jc chandor i think uh jc candor bottle city of candor something uh will be played by former quicksilver actor aaron taylor johnson will be playing craven the hunter oh boy there's a there's just a lot to break down here. Um, I think Aaron Taylor Johnson can be a good actor. I've yeah. seen I've seen him be decent. I've also seen him in Godzilla, um, <laughs> which I bag on his performance in Godzilla a lot because I think it's awful. That being said. I'll eat a little bit of crow here in that I don't think it's all his fault because if you look at other uh gareth edwards movies who's the guy that did godzilla he kind of has an issue with character portrayals like he also directed rogue one and i think those are some of the most bland and forgettable characters in star wars history so he struggles with characters and so maybe that kind of came across in godzilla is quicksilver on the other hand makes me a bit nervous because for those that don't know craven is a big game hunter who is also russian and say with me josh his quicksilver accent was one of the worst movie accents we've heard in many years along with as much as i love her elizabeth olsen's accent as scarlet which was also terrible it was so bad that they just phased it out and then retconned it in one division of oh yeah um crap we forget she had an accent um it's part of trauma. Just go with it. His yeah. accent was so bad. And also, he can be a good actor. And I know actors can bulk up. But he does not have the physique of a Craven the Hunter. Like, I think this is a big old miss here. Uh, 
as far as the these physique goes, uh, I don't know, man. Have you seen uh, Kick-Ass 2? No? No? Just me? All right, cool. So, uh... <laughs> like, ten people saw Kick-Ass 2. Okay, yeah, but it's... Movie. It's a different um, kind of physique, though. He's lean in that. Not you're you're correct. Not it's, Craven jacked. But I will use both Kickass movies as examples as to like he can actually act, and mm-hmm. like, he's. I mean, granted, that's not exactly the character that he that Craven's gonna be, but like he no. he's but he's does an accurate portrayal of Kickass, and so it's I don't you know. Uh, I'm trying to have the benefit of the doubt here, and I think when I heard, I don't know about you, but when I heard this and it wasn't Gerard Butler, there's a part of my little fanboy heart that was like completely shattered, and I can't tell if my dislike of this casting is more because they didn't cast Gerard Butler or because it's I'm not sure it's a good idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, I... You know me, I've always wanted Gerard Butler's Craven the Hunter, but I've also, I knew it was never going to happen because he's preoccupied with another big franchise, but I saw a lot of fan art of people wanting Jason Momoa, and I'm going, mm. yeah, you can absolutely race bend Craven the Hunter to be uh, Polynesian descent. I also th- heard some people suggest, and I think it's a brilliant idea, of have Craven. maybe we talked about on the podcast at one point, of having Craven the Hunter be from Wakanda, and he's a big game hunter from Wakanda, and I'm going, that would have been perfect, but also, that gets a little complicated with the Wakanda thing of, Wakanda is Disney and Marvel, this will be a mm-hmm. Sony project, and Sony's firmly in its own camp here, and I think... I don't want to say Sony's this petty, but maybe they are being this petty of like, oh, we're going to bring in one of your actors to be in our Spider-Man movie. If you won't let Spider-Man come over, come back to us, then we're going to take one of your actors. Like, I don't know. It kind of feels, this just feels weird. Like, his overall vibe and his presence doesn't lend to me Craven the Hunter, but we've been wrong before with castings. I just... I've said from the get-go that I've thought that this movie was overreaching. Like, Venom could work. I don't necessarily think it's the best idea, but Venom did really, really well. I think there's a much bigger audience of fandom for a Venom movie than there is a Craven movie. And this, to me, feels like old Sony of just, we need to monetize everything. We're grasping at straws. I don't think this Venom thing... Not Venom. This Carnage carnage eventually i get to the right spider-man villain <laughs> this craven thing morpheus this craven thing is the right idea well morpheus is it's morbius is it's morbius thing um there's i like craven the hunter he's one of my favorite spider-man villains that being said there are much more interesting spider-man villains you could do where the heck has chameleon been do a spy thriller with chameleon yes please um Sandman. Give me Sandman. some Sandman, bro. Or do like a Creature from the Black Lagoon-esque movie with the lizard of a man that's Ugh. getting slowly turned into the monster. And maybe, just maybe, Kirk Connors accidentally kills his wife and that sends him over the edge and goes full lizard. There is no turning back now type of thing. I've always just thought this Craven thing was a weird decision. Yeah, it's... I think to me it's not necessarily that it's Craven the Hunter that's the weird decision. It's that it's a solo movie. 
that's a weird decision. It's it's I I don't know, man. I just don't see where he fits in this weird like Sony Venomverse, and I don't understand how you can have all of these villains, and then what are you going to turn them all into antiheroes? Like, what's what's your plan here, dude? I don't know. Speaking of things, I'm not sure if I'm okay with or not. Actually, I'm going to have a different approach than you on this one. You seem a little hesitant about this one. I am. I'm all for this one, and I'll say it. If this is true, because Marvel themselves has not come out and said this yet, but if this is true, I'm actually more excited for this than I am a Black Widow movie. Uh, And that is that um, the head of the Dorma Milaje, Okoye, might be getting her own spinoff series on Disney+, Plus, as well as reprising her role in the upcoming Wakanda series, which I would like to hear more about that uh, that's coming to Disney+. Plus. I think this is a good idea. I know Josh sounds, Josh sounds a little apprehensive here, but I, I like this idea because I really, really dig the Dorma Milaje. They're so distinctly different from the rest of the MCU. They're not just like, hey, we're like, winter soldier we're just master assassins no like they've got this unique look they've got unique style uh both in terms of aesthetics but also their fighting style they just bring a different presence to the mcu that i really really enjoy but also we don't know anything about them how do the dorma milaje train how do they live what is their day-to-day life like um i know they're always supposed to protect the king of wakanda but what is what is a day in the life of the Dorma Malaje look like? How do they become that which they are? How do they get to the point that they become the most dangerous assassins in the world type of thing? How do they yeah. get chosen? What's the training like? It almost kind of feels like it could be the potential of like the Spartan side of 300 except with competent storytelling. No. Ooh. I said I what I said. Dig. Um only because you brought up 300 uh the only thing that has made me so mad this week is the list of of movies that Zack snyder put out that warner brothers won't make him won't let him make and every single movie on that list i was like don't want to see or also how he says or also how he says him and christopher nolan almost made man of steel set in the dark knight trilogy universe go go away anyway um so the only I, I am also like I'm with you on this um, as far as like it would be super interesting. I think there's a lot of potential there, a lot of fun storytelling, maybe even exploring what do what what does it mean to be the I'm gonna mispronounce the Dorma Malaje. There you go. Wow, yeah. First try. Uh, oh, so cool. Um, what it means to be them when there's no king. Um, yeah so like that would be super cool but without a king what do you protect yes so much like a kardashian there's a big butt in the room um i am nervous (sighs) this yeah i'm just gonna keep going um i am nervous that this starts a trend of giving everyone an origin series and i guess like what they're already doing they haven't like done everyone though you know what i mean everyone that hasn't had a movie gets a disney plus series 
Miss Marvel, I, the, Secret Invasion, just, Hawkeye, Iron Wars. I just Armor Wars. I get I get nervous whenever you start doing like, hey, these people can't carry a movie, which I wouldn't exactly agree with. But so they can't carry movies, so we're gonna do a TV show or whatever. But I, I will say they're good about keeping it to a season. Or keeping it, you know, 13 episodes or something like that, you know. Which is, in my opinion, perfect. Like, you, for an origins show, you don't need to go into, like, all right, season three, This we're now a month before Wakanda, uh, before the events of Black Panther. Um, all right, we're running out of content here. Like, you know, I don't want that to be the case. So, I, But so far, I guess... I guess my my concern is not necessarily warranted at this particular moment. Well, we've also said numerous times that Disney Plus desperately needs content of some kind. Um, mm-hmm. But also, the first Black Panther set up such a fantastic storytelling world with Wakanda that almost has limitless narrative possibilities that I was immediately enamored with of, from what is the high-ranking official's life like, To What are the people that live in just the regular part of town live like? I want just more of Wakanda and more of the environment and the world it inhabits. I want more storytelling like that. And so if we take a specific character that might not necessarily have the significance of, like, a Black Panther, this also could be a stopgap, if you will, until they kind of get a better hold of what to do with the legacy of Black Panther. Let's focus on the rest of Wakanda for the time being, so to speak, of like, we don't know what we're doing with our with our chess piece here, so we're just going to keep moving other pieces around that yeah. still flow naturally. Yeah, it, which I guess makes sense. I I mean, yeah, it makes sense. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't... Cool. Let's bring it on, I guess. <laughs> I'm happy because we're getting back to the theaters. We're getting back to normalcy in that respect, which means we're getting back to the movie trailers, which makes me sometimes happier than the movies themselves. Uh, so we have two that we're talking about this week. The first being a sequel to a sleeper hit horror movie. I don't even know if I'd count it a horror movie, but... I- I guess you could. Uh, Escape Room from, I believe, two years ago? Yeah, the first one came out in 2019. Super low budget for, I believe it was Blumhouse. Didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it at home later. And I thought it was actually pretty good. I didn't see it for a while because I thought, this kind of just looks like PG-13 Saw, mixed with the popularity that is Escape Rooms. And in a sense, that's kind of what the first one was. But it's still... I could have fun with it. It's a solid, like, six, six and a half out of ten. Like, you're not going to write home about it. But when they announced the sequel, I was like, okay, I'm kind of on board for this. Why not? It's an interesting enough premise. I like not, like, it's not a mystery, but, like, a okay, how do we figure this out type of situations. And I like the concept of what this trailer presents here of take all the previous winners of all these other deadly escape rooms and put them all into one trap together. And how does that work? Kind of like, um, didn't Hunger Games do something similar to that? Of yeah, like, I you won the first yeah. one. Now we get the reunion. Um, I don't mind this trailer, but I do have one 
big issue with it, but I'll get to that once we hear from Josh. Josh, you come <laughs> at it from a different perspective because you haven't seen the first Escape Room. Right. Having not seen the first one, did you? What were your thoughts with this trailer? Did you? Could you still track with it? Were you at least interested? What were your thoughts? So I'm with you, and I think uh, I said it to you too. I was like, oh, okay, so we're just going to do Saw, but in a different universe. Sounds good. But um, there's something about this that is more intriguing than Saw ever was. And part of that, I think, is that... Cohesion? It, yeah, cohesion? It, yeah, cohesion. It, there's no Jigsaw involved because it's not a Saw movie. Um, it's just there's something really, really interesting about it, and the traps all look interesting. And the idea that... Someone was so mad that <laughs> that these people won and got out of their escape rooms that they, from the looks of it, dropped millions of dollars to create this, uh, like really elaborate. <laughs> escape well, room. it's not one individual. It's a it's yes. a whole big thing. But that's what I'm saying. Is like somebody was so mad that this group of people all beat their escape room that they're like, you know what? Let's let's really mess with them. And to me, and maybe I'm th- reading into this too much, the movie believes in itself so much, it basically shows us the whole first puzzle. I, I think it shows us way too much. Oh, I agree. I think, um, so you know how trailers these days have what's called a stinger. Like it'll play the main trailer, then it'll show you the title card and then i'll have like a quick like five to ten second like stinger to really get you into it like eternals had a little bit of like now that captain rogers and tony stark are dead who's gonna lead the avengers type of thing i hate this stinger in this trailer so much because the trailer is showing like like interesting traps in some rooms and then it shows them I'll put up the spoiler warning for those that don't want to know and you haven't seen this trailer because I think this is a huge spoiler and super, super stupid that they showed this in the trailer that they climb out of this manhole and they're like, oh, we made it out. We're back in the city. And then they immediately show it's all just a projection and yet another room. I'm like, that would have been such a cool reveal to see in the movie itself to have these characters like 1408 did of these characters thinking they're escaping and they've made it out only to find out, nope, you're still stuck in this game. You never left, which I think every time I watch 1408, I forget about that twist every single time. It's like, he's out. Oh, no, wait, no, no, he's not yet. No, he's not. Uh, Because I, y'all, if you haven't seen 1408, 1408 is so good. Um, Depending on what, edit you're watching has which ending it's super super complicated i wish they didn't show that stinger and when it just shows the title card escape room tournament of champions or whatever then that's it so that way when you see the movie you're just like they're out oh no they're not um as a whole this seems like harmless fun like the first one was or like a Hellfest was just some not gonna be the best horror movie of the year that's gonna be halloween kills we know that we um, already know that, yeah. <laughs> or, or I'm still kind of optimistic for Candyman. That kind of looks amazing. Um, but this could be at least fun-ish as a whole. Would you say yay or nay for this one, Josh? I mean, yeah. Why not? I mean, have we all like not every horror movie can be like, or thriller, I guess, can be like top-notch, you know, fingernails into the into the armchairs 
cover. Like you can't. Not every single one can be that. Not everything needs need, to be The Shining. Some people can yes. be. Some things can be Final Destination. You you need a good popcorn flick every now and then. And I think honestly, this this feels like. This feels kind of like like a scream, almost like it knows what it is, and it's not going to try to be anything more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's just it it's just here to for entertainment's sake. I also think movies like these in the coming months will be critical to movie theaters of not the big blockbusters, not the home yes. runs, but the solid line drives or the doubles in the gap, like things that aren't going to be massive successes, but things that were made for low money that can make a relatively decent profit and they can be stabilitating stabilitating i don't even know if that's the word stabilizing movies for the theater going experience in between the big movies like your black widows and your fast nines or whatever else yeah. so to speak now this next trailer uh, i know a lot of people are talk about that they really really like this trailer and whatever else I am not one of those people. I'll be upfront about it, and maybe it's because I know who's directing this, and they're very upfront and honest with who's directing this. And you and I both, Josh, have been burned by the Sham Hammer, M. Night Shame Upon, numerous times. And boy, does this trailer just feel like a Shyamalan movie. So I'll be I'll give credit where credit's due. M. Night Shyamalan has made some good movies. I really, really love The Visit or Split. But he's also made a lot of bad movies. Like, I still very much enjoy it as a comedy. Uh, the Happening, which we've we've talked about before that it might actually secretly be brilliant and might, but we also might be reading too much into it. Yeah. He's very <laughs> hit or miss. And this... I got more of a Lady in the Water vibe than a Split vibe. Like, it has all the Shyamalan staples of awkward close-ups, characters just spouting dialogue randomly. The one scene in particular that I'm just like, why? Why I have this in trailer is when apparently someone's walking up the cliffside or uh, climbing up the side of the beach cliff, and they're all looking up and narrating what's happening instead of, showing what's happening like Shyamalan is the king of talking but not showing what's happening I was not a fan of this trailer it's not the worst but it if it even if it didn't say I'm not Shyamalan on it I feel like I could still tell that it's a Shyamalan movie because of the staples of the weird and wonky very definitively Shyamalan cinematography the dialogue is a little too on the nose. Um, Josh, what did you think of the old trailer? Yeah, it's a thing that's happening. I do, Am I going to like go out of my way to see this? Probably not. But here's the thing. Um, I might see it based on the fact that this already has a similar moment like what was what one from the the happening where Mark Wahlberg looks at the camera and goes what no um it's and it's the the daughter or whatever and she's like dad why are you looking at me that way I was just like I bro which I feel bad because that actress was in Jojo Rabbit and she was great in that she's great absolutely and like I feel a little bad but like at the same time I was like oh no 
Oh no, she he's about to ruin these people's careers. Stop. No, may, someone put a stop to this man. Okay. Because we need to do it. It's it's like the M Night Shyamalan drinking game, but the M Night Shyamalan bad twist ending game. Um what do we think the twist ending is going to be? Because it's Shyamalan there has to be a twist ending. One of these movies, I want there to be the twist ending that there is no twist ending, and it's just an ending for once. My immediate thought is it's actually a twist, and the parents are the ones that are aging somehow. Even though we're seeing the kids age up, no, I think it's secretly the parents somehow. It's like a reverse aging thing, whether the kids are just aging in real time, and the parents are not, and they keep coming back to the same beach somehow, and it's weird, like they're on two separate realities. I, It's got to be something either genius or stupid or both with Shyamalan. It's never as it seems because he doesn't know what simple means. If you had to guess what a twist could be, Josh, what would it be for this one? I think <clears throat> big brain play here. Uh-oh. Okay? We use big, big brain, lots of wrinkles in the brain. We're, like, super smart here, right? I think that M. Night Shyamalan got really drunk one night and binged all of Lost and was like, I can make a horror movie out of that. I think there's a monster, and it's going to be the lamest thing that you will ever see. It's just – it lives off of people's life force, and so it just st- – and that's what it looks like it does. So it's like – it's not necessarily – killing them over time it's just stealing their aid i don't know it's stupid the more i talk about it but like it's it's Shyamalan. like it's it also kind of feels like and maybe this is just me it has that vibe of like i kind of wanted to just go on vacation with some of my friends and that's why this whole movie is going to take place at this one location because maybe a studio was just like sure we'll we'll make a movie with you but we're not going to give you a big budget because this clearly does not have a big budget. There's no big name actors attached to it. It's shooting in one location for the entire time. So either you're right and they do have a creature and that creature is going to look amazing with all the money that they save with special effects or studios were hesitant to work with him after a spotty record. We're like, we'll make a movie with you, but it has to be on our terms and it has to be a low budget affair. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. I, I I wish I could be optimistic, but we've seen too many bad Shyamalan movies to, to be optimistic at this point. I don't know why people keep hiring him. <clears throat> so, lastly for today is a very late-breaking news, which we saw coming about two weeks ago, but now we have like official confirmation and a little bit more details about the production company, and that's the Warner Brothers and Discovery merger has gone through, well, will be going through under a new unified banner for the name of the company, Warner Brothers Discovery. Wow. You know there's some idiot just sitting back going, <laughs> I got paid to name this, and this is what <laughs> I came up with. Like, it's not a bad name, but it's also, like... You just stuck the names together. Like, it's not like Warner Discover or something like that. Or Discover Brothers. 
No, that sounds like an HGTV show. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like Warner Brothers Discovery, that's it. Or WB Discovery. Something. This is too long of a name. And also, this isn't a mock-up that I made in Photoshop or anything. This is an actually officially released logo of what Warner Brothers Discovery is going to be. <clears throat> it looks like an Angels in the Outfield logo. <laughs> <laughs> Does. Especially with like, like space jam. Are yeah. Oh, this is what. What is this? This is the stuff dreams are made of. Mm-hmm. At that, like, oh come on, bro, get out of here. You know what? This like stuff like this reminds me of the good old Jim Gaffigan bit where he's talking about the guy who wrote the Hot Pockets jingle. And he's like, all right, man, I'm paying you a ton of money, and you to write this jingle for Hot Pockets. What what you got? Oh crap! I forgot to work on it. Uh, 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 Hot Pockets brilliant you're paid like this that's what this feels like you know like it's just i guess simple is best but is it though no it's not okay also like logo wise they warner brothers for so long has had that shield that they keep making more and more minimalist and it bothers me what you should have done is have the w and the b that are inside that shield logo now inside of the discovery d that we have for discovery plus but I'm not a graphic designer, so it probably would look terrible. Yeah. As a like whole. The, in comparison to this logo, yeah. <laughs> it, as a whole, though, I still think this is a good acquisition. However, we're still kind of hearing some people speculate and formulate their opinions that once this merger's gone through, Discovery might still sell off um, Warner. I'm going, I don't know. And that Universal might still be in the mood to buy Warner Brothers. And I'm going, that gets a little too dangerously close to Monopoly, I think. DC might be sold to Universal. But again, DC is like one of the big properties for Warner Brothers. And so I see them wanting to keep that in their back pocket with this merger with Discovery. I still think this is a good thing. But we're not off to the best start here. However, the name of the company is not what really gets my interest. More so, it's... What's the name of your streaming service going to be? Because you can't do any worse than HBO Max, which is one of the worst names, and the single-handedly doomed you from the start by having a stupidly confusing name. That and Peacock are terrible. If it was up to you, Josh, you're getting paid the big bucks here. What's the name of the streaming service that they're using, and do they combine them or keep them separate, Warner Brothers and Discovery? All right, I got this. So, based on the minimalism of the uh, logo, I'm going to be paid millions of dollars to name the new streaming service HBO Discovery. Woo! I got it! No? Wow. No, no. No, no, I didn't didn't do it for you. All right. That's all I I got. Sorry. I uh, put about two hours worth of thought into this, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably more than probably more than whoever actually came up with it. That's true. Maybe like Discover WB or Worlds of WB. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, there's just no way to make this sound cool. Chip and Joanna I just... Plus. I don't. <laughs> I mean, they've already got Magnolia Network, but whatever. Um, yeah, but whatever. Guy Fieri and friends. <laughs> Every show now must have Guy Fieri, and that's why he signed that massive contract, which we didn't talk about on the show here, but did you see his new contract that he signed with uh, with Food Network? 
No, Guy Fieri oh. just re-upped his contract for Food Network for three years, $85 million. Jeez, to which I'm just man. going, that's professional athlete money right there. Yeah, except, bro. except, you know, he actually brings in money for the company that he I works mean, for. That, and he, like, actually gives back to the industry a Oh, that lot, guy's the so. best. Guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Guy's the best. Oh, man. I just can't. I don't understand anything that's happening with this in right general here. you just it's... don't understand it in general yeah man i mean i don't sleep so sleep is for the <laughs> week and uh <laughs> all right josh do the sponsor read for us this week <clears throat> man right, who does so not what... sleep man who does not sleep oh ooh, i got you uh-oh <clears throat> this episode of uncharted media podcast is brought to you in part by t public if you, uh, like me, don't sleep and you drink a lot of coffee, go ahead. Get yourself a coffee mug with the Uncharted Media logo on it. All your friends will think you're tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great plug for stuff. But in all seriousness, we do have Uncharted Media mugs, yes. shirts, hoodies, uh, baseball tees, stickers, notepads, whatever your heart can feels like getting. You can get them at the link in the description. Uh, at T Public and T Public's awesome. So, this was partially inspired by conversations that we've had on the podcast before about Josh's utter hatred for the original Karate Kid. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Tell me a I'm refusal, wrong. Though. The refusal to watch Cobra Kai because I I want to stick to my narrative. <laughs> and that's the problem: is Cobra Kai is so good and actually fixes the pro- yes. with, fixes the character of Daniel Russo. But as we'll talk about Daniel later, um, just because a movie tells you that this character is the quote unquote good guy, doesn't mean their actions come across as them being the good guy. There's more than a few times in movies that just because they're the main character or there's overall not a bad person, they're not also a good person suddenly. Um, but again, like we said at the top of the show, we like and love some of these characters dearly, but we do not hold them as movie role models or anything like that. Um, or if you like the movies that these people are in, that is awesome. We're just poking lighthearted fun at some characters some of these are poking fun at some of these are actual grievances that we have i'm gonna be straight with you right now there are some people on this list that you are gonna have feelings about but i don't care i'm going for the throat bro all right i haven't slept in four days and i know okay (laughs) start us off then mr sleep deprived yeah no i'm just gonna go straight for daniel just i need to (laughs) just make sure that i say this off the top um uh, Daniel Russo is a La terrible Russo human being. Of LaRusso Auto. Yep, nope. I, I hate him. He's a terrible person. He Okay, uh, everything... we have to explain why they're terrible. No, no, people. no, no, no. Everything everything that happens in the in the film is literally his cause. Like he causes it. It's not like it's the whole the whole thing of hit like the fight thing, he started it. Like, bro, come on. Like he he's the one that gets in Johnny's face and like he's new to town and tries to take his girl right off the bat. Like, come on, bro. Okay, so I'll I like the original Karate Kid and Cobra Kai, so I'll play devil's advocate at times to referee this fight between you and a person that can't defend <laughs> themselves right now. In a, the opening scene, um Johnny makes it clear that he and uh, Elizabeth Shue's character have broken up. 
So Daniel, yes. is it's fair to talk to Elizabeth Shue. Where I take issue is when Johnny's just like, hey, back off. And Daniel straight up sucker punches him. Yeah. Like, not like Johnny's not even fighting him or anything. Every time Daniel goes to attack him, Johnny does a defensive move. He's on the defensive. He clearly does not want to fight Daniel. But Daniel is just like, I'm from Jersey. I have rage <laughs> issues because my dad's probably dead. So I'm a little ball of spite, and I'm going to use an illegal move in a karate tournament later. But, like, Johnny, <laughs> Johnny, in the opening scene, because I've seen Cobra Kai to death and seen the original Karate Kid to death, he, like, his first line of dialogue is, senior year is going to be my year. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to win her back. I'm going to get back on the straight and narrow type of thing. I'm going to make sure that my last year of high school counts. And Daniel basically completely throws that out the window. Then Miyagi bails him out, whatever. It's a stereotypical sports movie. Where I take issue with Daniel LaRusso is we've got two more movies yes. of Daniel being horrible. It would be different oh. if we have like a Luke Skywalker situation where he's an annoying little brat in the first movie because Luke is really annoying in A New Hope, but that's part of his arc. If Daniel grew as a person between the original Karate Kid and Karate Kid Part 3, that'd be different. But come Karate Kid Part 3 with Terry Silver and Mike Barnes... Daniel straight up joins the other team. He joins yep. Cobra Kai for a little bit because he's just like, I want to punch people and hurt people because I'm emotionally broken. And he basically destroys himself in the process. And Miyagi's just like, I've just about had it, but I need a paycheck. So I'm going to be in this movie. <laughs> like Daniel does uh, not learn and everything bad that happens to him is his own fault. Like Miyagi keeps fault. telling him over and over again, let it go, dude. They've attacked my greenhouse, but that's okay. Everything will... We have insurance. Everything will grow back over time. It will be fine. But Daniel's just like, no, pride and dignity. And also, I think part of it might be... This is the weirdest trope in every single Karate Kid movie that I've always had issues with is... Why is it always a different love interest in every single movie? Karate Kid 2 opens with Elizabeth Shue's character yes. dumping Daniel... Karate Kid yes. 2 ends with him going back to America so he can't end up with the girl that he meets in um oh I can um, I forget what uh what, it's in Japan yeah in Japan. where Mr. Maggie's from and then the third one the girl straight up moves away right before the big tournament yes. so I'm just like uh, why do all the girls keep leaving well you know when you're uh when you're a jerk from Jersey who's apparently got the emotional competence of the of a mob boss um <laughs> Yeah, like, why would you want to be around that? Daniel is the worst. Well. And I, I refuse to give him redemption in, by watching Cobra Kai. <laughs> you are wrong, then. Cobra Kai is amazing, <laughs> and it fixes his character, actually. But <laughs> What you got, bud? What you got? What, what do you want to lead with? Ooh, I want to save my, like, my most angry for last um, with the one that you already, I'm assuming, will know, because tentatively i should like this movie but the main character is so horrible at least in my book <laughs> that i cannot like yes. this movie um let's go right for the throat and just make everybody mad with a character that i've made no qualms that i've had issue with this character ever since about mm, 2011 i won't say when he first started because when we first meet this character he actually had an arc and became a better person and then immediately regressed after that because the only time he's ever been good is in the first Iron Man with Tony Stark. Mm. I 
detest his character so much, except for that first Iron Man, because in the first Iron Man, he actually was held responsible for his actions, being a war criminal, basically, and owned up to it. Oh, Josh, before Josh has a question before I get into a big rant here. I have I have question. I have question. Question teacher. Um, so uh why because <laughs> why just because a spoiled rich boy all of a sudden decides to grow a conscience do hundreds of people have to be out of a job overnight cuz he's like not got rid of the weapons division, sorry. Like Yo, so you get a conscience and all these people lose their job. Got it, Kay, her. It's not just that. It's also like, a, hey, we, the Avengers made this mess. Oh, don't worry. I'll pay to clean it up. And thus creating Vulture, which I, I'm tired of Iron Man being shoehorned into Spider-Man, but that motivation for vet Vulture at least made sense. But the first Iron Man, he learns and he grows and matures as a person. From then on out, it's... The narcissism, the narcissism show from him, basically, of when the Avengers win, it's all because of him, and I did the great thing, but when they lose, it was a team effort, and we couldn't work together as a team, or you didn't listen to me, it's just like, mm-hmm. which is it? You gotta work, and I know that's the character of Tony Stark, he's just not my type of character that I enjoy, I enjoy a Captain America type more of, this is right, and this is wrong, and you need to just be willing to work on the same page as other people even if you disagree like tony is just happy to be the smartest guy in the room even when he's clearly not sometimes like i yeah. always get the sense that that the hulk is stronger and smarter than he is but tony will never admit that i've just had issues with iron man for the longest time and yes i was sad when he died in endgame but at the same time it only made sense because if you want to make the Marvel Universe safe, you've got to get rid of its biggest villain. And let's be honest, most of the villains are Iron Man's fault somehow. Yes. Ultron? At least he owned up to... Yeah, I created Ultron. But if it wasn't for him in the Sokovia Accords, that um, because it is his fault, uh, if it wasn't for the Sokovia Accords, the Avengers never would have split up and they would have been able to defeat Thanos the first time around and not, you know, ultimately led to his death... But yeah. I, I've just had issues with Tony for the longest time, and people get mad when I say it, but I'm glad he's dead because we can finally get past it, and he was a character that was... I didn't think it was fair for the longest time that Steve gets his life taken away, and Tony gets to rub it in that, oh yeah, I'm great and I've got a life, even though Cap deserved it a lot more because he's willing to make the sacrifice play. Yeah. No, I'm with you, dude. I got no qualms here. Tony's a terrible human being. He's not like the it. last Marvel character I've got, though. Oh, no, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and lead with my Marvel character. Are you ready? Odin is a terrible human being in, in Thor 2006. 2011. Uh, whatever, you know. Whatever. <laughs> um, of course, Josh has to bring in Norse mythology here. Because, bro, okay, first of all, Odin, Odin in Norse mythology is an actual terrible person, but that's not the point. Yes. In the movie, he legit... You are he kills vain, all the frost cruel, giants. greedy boy, and I oh. cast you out. I don't know Bro, why I went Arnold he, there. He legit kills all the frost giants and goes, sees a baby, and it's like, oh, well, 
I can't let, <laughs> I have a weird moral quandary because I just murdered your whole race and now I feel bad for some reason out of nowhere. And so I'm going to uh, adopt you and take you in as my son. Except for the part where I ever treat you as my son. Because, uh, yeah, that's not going to be a thing until Ragnarok. <laughs> I, Odin is terrible. I mean, and to be quite frankly, he's terrible to Thor, too. Thor deserves it most of the time. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe if you were a good father <laughs> who, uh, I don't know, didn't neglect his children for months at a time because you just said uh, you needed to sleep. You're so tired. Get out of here, bro. Odin, you're terrible. I don't... Mm. I, how, how am I supposed to be like, yeah, I need I need Thor to, to you know, be best friends with his dad again when his dad is literally the worst person ever. So... My other Marvel person, up until recently, wasn't on my list. So they have the chance to, like, get back on my good graces. And his is probably going to be one of my most hot takes today. Wanda Maximoff is a horrible person. Like, yeah. before oh, totally. WandaVision, I was just like, okay, it's a, she's, she's just a regular Avenger. She's got her flaws, but uh, she's more or less got uncontrolled power. Come to WandaVision. Spoiler alert for people that haven't seen WandaVision. She's like knowingly holding these people hostage. And they're just like, we can't sleep. She's just like, but I I want a family. We get it. You've suffered a lot of tragedy. But you're literally just manipulating people from the inside out to turning them into zombies to dozens to hundreds of people. And she really has no remorse for it. So, like, at no, the end no. of WandaVision, they're just, like, all giving her the stank eye because she deserves it. And then Monica Rambeau, who I loved as a character, just has the stupidest line of dialogue. She just looks at Scarlet Witch and she's just like, they'll never understand what you gave up. Yeah, she gave up two pretend kids and a robot. Like, <laughs> you literally took their freedom away. You made for them like slaves. Months. Yeah, for months, close to a year or something like that. Like, bro, get out of here. You're not a good person. And don't try to bring Wanda into future movies and pretend like, oh, she's real powerful. Better make her, make her of an Avenger. Because heaven forbid her actual dad comes around and creases that creates the House of M. Then we're all in trouble. Okay, anyway, that's, that's, You're never getting House of M, dude. Yeah, yeah, I know. I that went into like a weird uh, nerd rant. Um, but like the minute that one of the people is just like, I can't sleep because your nightmares fill my head. I'm just like, sorry, I'm sympathizing with the human more in this situation. That sounds like a living hell that you're putting these people in. Yeah. Also, you can have this make believe place that's not fair to everyone else. You're literally torturing them for something that doesn't even exist like um also did we ever explain why we couldn't just you know bring vision's body back to wakanda and no why figure would we out do why that? we couldn't just like build him without the stone because they were that's what they're trying to do in infinity war anyway and i just missed well, it here's the thing nathan plot holes <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> like come on and, and like the u.s government was basically like nah bro we want our weapon back even though it wasn't really their weapon yeah i understand they never had property over ultron or anything so whatever dude <laughs> yeah all right what do you got next 
All right. Um, Willy Wonka is an attempted child murderer. Um, and you can't deny it is the I thing. I can deny it and I will. No. No. You can't sit here and be like, I can torture people uh, because of moral reasons. But, like, he legit on purpose puts all of these kids lives in danger no on no he does purpose. not because he gives them the choice and all of every single one of them made the choice that put them in the situation that they ended up in every single one of those kids chose to do the stupid things that they did every single one of those kids he told them what they were doing was wrong before it happened if you if your parents tell you don't put your hand on the stove while it's lit and you still do it like an okay. idiot that's your fault that you got burned these kids, okay. Augustus okay. Gloop, he's drinking from the river. Wonka scurries over. Don't do that. Don't do that. Augustus Gloop falls in because he's an idiot. That's his own fault. He sees Veruca Salt. Don't stand on the bag, bad egg decator. You're going to be ruled a bad egg. Still stands on it. Falls. And once again, everyone seems to think that Wonka killed these kids. They walk out of the factory just fine. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. They did not die in the Wonka factory. They all walk out just fine. They're just a little changed Except, because they had to okay, learn okay, a moral okay. lesson. <laughs> I hit a button, hit a button, hit a button. All yes, right. you did. Um, Jesus. <laughs> so, 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 when, um, when Mike TV uh, <laughs> it starts to be Mike TV and his response is not. Hallelujah. It, Where's the no, Tylenol? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, his, his, his response is not. No, stop. You're actually back. His response is quite literally, no, stop. Oh, man. Because at this point, he's dealt with four idiotic <laughs> no, kids. No, 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 Don't no, listen no, to no, what no. he said. He's looking at Mike TV going, really? You didn't learn from Augustus Gloop. You didn't learn from Veruca Salt. You didn't learn from Violet Beauregard. You're a moron. You take it into your own hands. Not Wonka's fault that these kids don't listen. And also, at the end of the day, they become better people for it. Yeah, see, you don't know that. The movies don't say that afterwards. It yes, just shows they that they're, they're, they're scarred for the rest of their lives. They yeah. are, at the very least, they're scarred for the rest of their lives. But we know that they're not they're dead. They're scarred for the rest of their lives. They're not <laughs> dead, though. <laughs> All right. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Okay. 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 It's fine. It's finally, fine. finally, we get a rant that gets me more fired up than Russell <laughs> Crowe's Robin Hood. <laughs> And that's saying something. I got him. I got him, guys, and it won't be the that's last one of my, time today. I, I don't know why. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is people insisting that Wonka's a murderer. I'm just like, you illiterate swine! <laughs> it's okay. Read it's the right, book buddy. or at least see the Johnny Depp one. And I, Yes, I'm actually advocating people watch the Johnny Depp one if they're that misinformed. Oh, poor David. Actually, the Johnny Depp oh, one wasn't at, that bad. It's just the Wonka casting was horrible. Yeah, it was terrifying. And I think to me... <sighs> Um, I didn't start hearing the uh, the trope that Willy Wonka is a child attempted child murderer until the Johnny Depp one, because he is way more passive in that. In like almost all the kids, he's like, uh, like when Augustus Gloop goes for the for the the Chocolate River, he in the Johnny Depp one, he's not. Oh no no no! Don't touch my chocolate. He's like. Oh no! Don't do that, Augustus. Little boy, don't touch my chocolate. Yes, like, all right, dude, whatever. Anyway, all right. So let's move on, so you don't get 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 an aneurysm. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to look at my list. It was just like, which one of these names doesn't make me mad? Um, oh, I've got another hot take, because the movies tend to idolize him, but they also do show his bad side. Um, 
But a certain fan base seems to think, well, because he's related to the main character, that makes him a good person. Harry Potter's dad, James Potter, was a horrible person. And I hate that the movie's like, oh, yeah, he's just having fun with his buddies. No, the dude, like, I genuinely feel bad for Snape in terms of the abuse that he was put through at the hands of James Potter. Like, oh, I get why you are the way you are now of like, let's pants you in front of the entire school and just openly torture and mock you. Like Gryffindors are supposed to be nice people, but James really probably should have been a Slytherin. And I think even Harry after a certain point, is just like my dad was kind of a jerk to a lot of people. Like if you're in the click basically of James Potter, like uh, Peter Pettigrew and Lupin, He'll treat you, he's your brother for life, but if you're not, he's going to make your life a living hell. And I'm just like, can we stop pretending that just because he's Harry Potter's dad that he's an okay person? Counterpoint. Even though he uh, all of the abuse that Severus Snape endured, he is still a terrible person. Oh, I love Snape, but I'm not going to disagree with you. Oh my gosh, like literally making Harry's life a living hell just because he happens to look like his dad. Like, that's not fair. Um, he There's times where he actively like discourages Hermione from learning. Like, screw you, dude. Um, in the war against good and evil, he was like, you know what? Voldemort seems like a good idea. You know, that guy no. that kills the woman I love, it's fine. No, he joins and- Voldemort to be a secret agent for Dumbledore. Oh, cool, 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 cool. So, 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 why do you have to kill him? Because did you only read the? Did you only see the movies? Uh, yeah, obviously, because this is a movie podcast. Okay, so the reason <laughs> the movie does not do a good job of this, and so you're completely forgiven for this. But the reason Snape had to be the one that kills Vault Dumbledore is basically the wand only can go to the next person that kills the person that has the wand. So Dumbledore has the Elder Wand. So Snape had to be the one that kills Dumbledore in order for the wand to get into Snape's hands in order to get to Harry's hands down the line, basically. But that's where the twist comes in of of Draco disarms Dumbledore. So Draco's the one that gets the Elder Wand. It's, it's a little complicated, but I like the character of Snape, but even I'm like, yeah, he does go overboard. Even like, five and six, I try and give him more backstory to generate sympathy, but... And that's where I kind of get on board with it. But at the same time, you're not wrong of he does go overkill with it. He, like, and that's the thing, I think, is after how many Harry Potter movies there are? Nine, right? There's eight. So after seven movies of him being a terrible person to Harry because he happens to look like his dad, he's going to save him from Voldemort because he loves Lily. Like, screw you, dude. That's you don't get to pick and choose. As we literally see him stepping over the dead body of James Potter, he's just exactly. like exactly. Oh. Surprised he didn't teabag him then and there. Just I just yeah. There's and that's I think like there. That's for me where the disconnect of Harry Harry Potter films was for me because everybody that I know it, that's a big Harry Potter fan was like, oh, I cried during Snape's death. I and I was like, I literally watched has watched all of them multiple times and every single time i get to that scene i'm like yeah i feel i feel absolutely nothing this guy deserves to die uh well i'll go with a name that i was tempted to not have but at the same time 
think he might fit on this. I was wondering if anti-heroes deserve to be on this list or not. So mm, I still put call. De- I still put Deadpool here on here anyway because people still seem to think that he's like, oh, I love Deadpool. I'm like, I didn't mind the movies. I I enjoy both of them. Deadpool is not someone I'd want to spend time with. He's not someone I'd want to hang out with. Even before his face gets all mangled, I don't trust him and or like him. And that's that's part of the endearing quality of Ryan Reynolds is making the character of Deadpool likable. But I'm just like, it's kind of the same thing with Punisher of these are not good people. You're to be like, but they're doing they're doing horrible things for good reasons. That still kind of makes them horrible things that they're doing. Like, yeah. at least to me, the ends don't justify the means. And even before he was Deadpool and he was still just Wade Wilson, he wasn't necessarily the biggest role model. Again, we're not knocking the characters or the movies. We're just saying these probably should not be glamorized to the level that we do with movie heroes at times. Yeah, oh, I agree. I And I think that's a lot of this. And, like, so... I'm trying to figure out how to set this up, but a lot of people really, really love Ferris Bueller's Day at All. I was wondering if we were going to talk about Ferris Bueller. And I think on my first attempt to watch it, about 10, 15, 30 minutes in, I shut it off. Because I was like, how am I supposed to get behind this guy? He's literally robbed his parents. He stole a car. Like there's, and then I got, of course, even got even more mad when you finish the movie and he gets away with it all. And everything just kind of like works out. It's fine. Okay, cool. Basically like, steals his best friend's car, crashes it. Yeah. Like, and he's terrible to his best friend. Like, how is this like a, a movie? And I see people all the time who are like, it's a movie about like, you know, teenage rebellion, blah, blah, blah. He's still a jerk. He's still breaking the law all the time. Like, mm, sorry, bud. Maybe maybe it's uh, my morals are in a different place, but that just doesn't seem like a kind of person I'd want to like, actually hang out with. So here's my only one that I'm just like, I really debated whether or not I'm going to put it on this list because he's only really a bad person when we first meet him, kind of like Luke Skywalker of like he's got an arc even within the movie that he appears in. And funny I say Luke Skywalker, because Han Solo is not someone you should look up to, at least in A New no. Hope. Um, but, again, that's done intentionally because he's got an arc. And George Lucas, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Uh, Han did, in fact, shoot first. He shot because, when we first meet him, he is not a good person. And that's what makes it cooler when he shows up later to save Luke. Because it's called a redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I don't get how George Lucas trying to retcon it. But when we first meet Han, he is not a good person. He is a smuggler. We don't really know what he's smuggling, but I would assume it's not good things. Um, yes, the Empire is bad, and he's trying to smuggle stuff out away from the Empire. So maybe it's good stuff. But at the same time, shooting a man in the face in an open bar, um, basically being a pirate and... Despite what Disney's trying to tell you over the past few years, and especially with the rides lately, pirates are bad people. Um, and Hansel, one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time. But at least when we first meet him in A New Hope, he is not one to idolize or no. is a good person by any stretch of the imagination. Like, Obi-Wan and Luke are right to be cautious when they first meet him. Chewbacca is more trustworthy. He can't even speak English. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. So these next two were ones that I like. How many more you got? I got two more. Oh, sweet. I got three. Cool. Okay, cool, cool. So my last two were ones that I was – because you know me. Sometimes my brain doesn't – you know, I haven't had coffee or whatever, so it doesn't – like I can't think of things. So I just started looking around at articles online, and uh, these next two were points that I found that the more I read, the more I was like, hey, yeah, screw them. (laughs) And one of them – we always – say that she's a victim of uh, Stockholm Syndrome, but Belle is not really a good person, okay? Her opening song is about how she's the only one in the town that can read. And instead of being like, hey, I don't know, this maybe I should teach the town how to read so I won't be so lonely, she then sings another song about being lonely. Like, bro, and then... All, literally, the beast literally only asks her to do one thing. Hey, don't go to the West Wing. And she's like, you know what? Yeah, you might run no. into Martin Sheen. Yeah, like, no, I'm not going to respect your privacy. I'm sorry. Bye. I'm going to go look. And like, it was just... I'm, I'm not... Of the people on this list, she's very tame. But to I was say about that to say, you're, like, you're kind of grasping at straws I'm grasping at straws here. I have a but Disney like, character that I'm going to get a little heated about. Good. Um, but... The more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm like, you can't sit. To say that Belle is free of blame in this story is actually, you, like, you literally can't say that she's free of blame. Especially, like, you know, I don't know about you, but as a townsfolk, if a girl walked through the town every morning talking about how uh, how illiterate I was, yeah, I'd, I'd probably not like her either. <laughs> Yeah, Josh can't read too good. Uh, read not good, not, nor talk good either. I okay. say many word when few will do. <laughs> well, okay, you set me up with Disney one, so I'll go with my Disney character that I'm sure will get plenty of people mad at me because this became a huge success for Disney, and I still to this day do not understand because I still think the main character in it is so fundamentally flawed that I have so many issues with her. Elsa from Frozen. Yeah, boy! Because... Yeah, everyone's like, oh, let it go, let it go. I'm watching the movie going, you literally just condemned your city that you rule over to die by putting it in a frozen tundra, and you're just going, well, I don't care anymore. Y'all can die. Like, no, I get that your parents were not supportive all the time, and they locked you away, more or less, so that you don't kill people with your ice powers. But she's just like, I've got ice powers. Isn't that neato? I'm going to go run away and sing about my problems instead of, you know, addressing them in a healthy manner. And basically, like I said, condemning her entire country to die in a frozen wasteland while letting some Hans Gruber guy, I know I said it wrong, but let me have this one, Hans Gruber more or less take over her country and almost kill her sister. Then she's just like, oh, did I do something wrong? Yes, you did. Also, I still will get on this. She creates Olaf, right? How does she create life? Like, we know she has snow and ice powers, but that does not necessitate I can create life, therefore. So, like, if Anna gets stabbed by uh, Hans at the end, can Elsa just go, snow, and you're back to life, like she did with Olaf? Like, 
I hate the character. And then, and then some people are just like, she's like Simba. Because Stop, because no. Simba ran away after his dad died. Yeah, he watched his dad die and it was he thought he was to blame for this because his twisted uncle made him believe that it was his fault that his dad died. But also, he owns up to his mistake in front of his family and matures and grows and becomes a better person. Elsa is just... Mm, I hate... I don't understand... If you like Frozen, that's awesome. I'm not the clientele for Frozen. I'm not the demographic. But at the same time, you can have good female characters that can be good role models for girls. And I don't think running away from your problems is the healthiest situation. And Elsa, to me, is a prime example of she just runs away when life gets tough. And that is not what you should do. Yes, I will add a layer to that. Because I also am not the biggest Elsa fan. I will give her a little bit of credit. Um, only because, I don't know, a bunch of trolls literally told her parents, she's got to hide it, she can never do anything with it. And her parents were like, well, we don't know nothing about magic, so that sounds like right. That sounds about right, and just went with it. I was like, bro, you can't just like... You can't trust the troll. I mean, well, not just that, but like, even like from you the You gotta trolls, pay the troll like, toll. I have... Ooh, <laughs> you ain't pay no tro- toll. You ain't get no rolls. Um, <laughs> Wrong. No. Okay. Yeah. Different quote, but okay. That'll work. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm connecting dots. Not all the dots, but I'm connecting them. Um, <laughs> it's the same coloring book, just not the same page. <laughs> I like that. That's good. I like uh, that one too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, and I'm not going to sit here and say that the trolls are the sole reason, but um, the you know, sole I don't know. reason. Uh, um, Elsa's parents could have at least been like, you know, maybe we should like, I don't know, send her to Professor be emotionally X. Res- and be emotionally responsible for our child. Um, all right. So you brought me one Harrison Ford character. I bring you another. I think I know. While likable, while likable, and his adventures are fun. Indiana Jones is not a good person. He's not on my list, but I will respect it. And I've got one very, very similar to yours. But yes. go, ahead, go ahead. And I think in some ways it, it would be, I could make the same uh, argument for Nathan Drake. Oi! Oi! You're right, but oi! <laughs> <laughs> He's kidding. I love Nathan Drake, but I would not trust him. So you're not yeah, wrong. Exactly. So yes, every, if anybody's getting mad out there, you're right, but at the same time, screw you. <laughs> just because we're saying these doesn't mean we hate these characters in the slightest. Yes. But yes, you're um, right. As much as yeah. I love Nathan Drake, I would not trust him with my soda money. No, and Indiana Jones is basically a gray robber that destroys every temple that he enters. And he's always running around yell- yelling, it belongs in a museum, but then never takes the actual legal steps to get it to a- into a <laughs> into a museum. Um, and it's all just because Nazis are involved. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably because he's a white guy and he can bend the rules. Anyway, um, what's up? What's up or yours? more often than not, the artifact is too dangerous to be kept in a museum. Yes! Like, oh, bro, shut, like, shut, sh- mm. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. He's like, bro, this thing could literally destroy the planet. But, uh, you so know. we got to charge an extra $2 for admission. Exactly. Like, bro, man, uh, belongs in a, in a museum, man. 
Yeah. I'm, so, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, you zoomed in, and it's so weird. I don't, I'm never this close to your face. So I've got one that I'm glad you said um, Indiana Jones, because this Indiana Jones was heavily based off of this character. And to me, this, no matter what incarnation it is, the more quote-unquote woke we get as a society, which I'm never the biggest fan of that term, but eh, well, I'm still uncomfortable, whatever. Um, but the more like culturally aware, I guess we'll go with that term, the more problematic this character becomes. And I'm, of course, referring to James Bond. Um, mm. Don't get me wrong. I love James Bond. But especially the Connery era? There's a lot that you're just like, this hasn't aged particularly well. And I don't know how much of this is Connery acting because a lot of it just comes across as like Sean Connery just being Sean Connery. But even up to this day with Daniel Craig, like Skyfall is one of my favorite Bond movies of all time. But you've got scenes of like the girl saying that she used to be in a trafficking ring and then he gets in the shower with her. When I'm just like, eh, like... He was, like, taking advantage. Yeah, like, even Austin Powers at least had boundaries. Like, James Bond is just like, I saved your life. You owe me type of thing. Like, I... Yeah. Like, James Bond, he's, like, the definition of old school cool, but kind of comes across a little problematic at times. Like, especially the older generation James Bond. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm always excited for whatever the next James Bond movie is. But the character could probably use a more modern update in terms of his characteristics. And I know that's almost blasphemous, but, like, maybe don't make him so over the top? I don't know. Maybe not make him a misogynist. Let's go with that. That yeah, sounds like a great let's, idea. Let's like, not let's have him start there. hit people. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's like you know let's let's make it so that he doesn't treat women like objects, even though that he like treats himself as an object. Um, let's like you know have him actually deal with his emotional health. That that would be a good idea too. I don't know. Mm. Um, you know you know maybe actually get make him deal with the repercussions of his decisions over the last fifty years. Um, I, I don't know. Um, uh, I could go on and on and on. Like there's like it's there's so like you said problematic and like outdated and the more and more like I. Too often, I think, in American cinema, we're like, well, he saved the world, so he we can like let him have his flaws. And it's like, uh, mm, you know what? I don't think so. I, Sorry. I almost put it on the list, but I know Josh would be mad. I almost put Taron Edgerton from uh, Kingsman on the list. I Cause... much like much like Indiana Jones and Nathan Drake. I was like, I would have been like, hey, you're out of line. But you're right. <laughs> I love all the Falcon and Winter Soldier memes. So just, you're out of line, but he's right, you know. He's right. <laughs> okay, so do you have you, – you had your last one, right? Yeah, that was Indiana Jones was my last one. Okay. Now, for my last one, I'm sure Josh already knows because I've gotten on my high horse about this before. On paper, I should love this movie. It's visually gorgeous. It's got great cinematography and some cinematography that actually makes scenes funny, like – Cinematography is hard to make scenes funny, but Edgar Wright always seems to do that. However, I hate Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and a whole bunch of internet people just get super, super mad because the internet is very protective of this movie. I would love the movie 
if it was a different protagonist. Now, I need a disclaimer saying I never read the original Scott Pilgrim vs. the World uh, comic book. I've only seen the movie like twice. And I have so many issues with the character of Scott Pilgrim. And it's not just a Michael Sarah thing, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Sarah. I will give credit where credit's due. He looks amazingly accurate to the comic. However, the entire premise of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, I very much have issues with. Of For those that haven't seen it, it's basically Scott Pilgrim finds this like super cute girl played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And he has to defeat her seven evil super-powered exes in order to date her. Well, the problem is he's already dating a girl who absolutely loves and adores him in Knives Chow. And I don't even think he breaks up with her in the movie. He's just like, oh, hey, I'm going after Ramona now. Which, that in and of itself is scummy to just go, oh, hey, there's a hotter girl now. Screw you. But the fact that the movie points it out that Scott has done this a few times already... Like, he's dated a few girls, and then whenever a better option comes along, he just throws them by the wayside. Like, he destroyed his friendship with the drummer of Sex Bob-omb because he dated her and left her on bad terms. And he's just like, oh, yeah, we're, we're fine. Pan over. The drummer's still pissed. And they, sh- like, it's supposed to be for comedy, but then they show her face later. She's still really, really hurt and damaged by what Scott did to her by just dumping her. And here's the problem. There's an alternate ending of Scott Pilgrim that I think was much better and actually would have fixed the entire movie for me of he, Scott, finally defeats all the seven evil exes, but doesn't go with Ramona. He goes back to Knives, and I'm going, that would have fixed the entire movie because that would have figured out his emotional immaturity issues that he's got. He doesn't take responsibility. He's just like, I'm just going to drift around through life until something better comes along. And I'm just like, that makes you a scumbag. Like, you don't just give up on a relationship because something newer or better comes along. And the fact that we continue to glorify him. Like, don't get me wrong. The movie looks gorgeous. It's great. It's got a great supporting cast. But I have so many issues with the morals and the reasoning why Scott even goes on this adventure to begin with. That it just takes me out going, I cannot get behind you because you're doing this for such a stupid reason. Okay, I'm going to preface this by saying you're right. (sighs) Points to keep in mind. Scott is like 25, and Knives Chow is like still in high school. Which also, that's a a big red flag there. It's problematic, but it also... I... To me, like, no matter how you slice it or dice it, you still come out ahead in terms of losing this argument. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. At no point am I going to sit here and say that Scott's a good person. Um, I think the the ending falls flat either way, but that's because you've, whether he goes back to Knives because she's in high school or he leaves with with, uh, Ramona, either way. Um, However, the Kim thing, they mention it in the movie and it's even more prevalent in the comics. Uh, he legit, like, the reason they fell apart is because he didn't feel like fighting the 9,000 guys to get to her dad to fight her dad for permission to date her. Like, he, like, fights, like, 500 guys, and then he's like, all right, cool, so now to get to me for permission to date my daughter, you have to fight all these other people. So it's, like, it's a complicated, stupid thing. It's, mm, yeah. 
there's no way to slice it where he's a good person. And I, I'm with you on that. I, it's just hard to not like the movie. He does. You can't argue he does make an attempt towards the end of the movie for emotional growth. I will give him that. You know, the power of self well, self-respect. Yeah, cool. Um, I think to me, at least the theatrical cut doesn't go. Okay, cool. So Scott has got the power of self-respect now. Everything's okay because he still has to talk to both Ramona and and uh, Knives, where he's like, "Yo, um, I cheated on both of you, uh, and that's not okay. And I'm sorry. And y'all do what you want with that information." And so, I mean, it's it doesn't escape the fact that he's a terrible human being, but. I at least appreciate there was an attempt. It's much better. It's much well done. It's better done in the book, obviously. Almost always obviously. is. But um, there is some attempt to give him so, a little bit of redemption. And I think part of that is is the because the true story of Scott Pilgrim is the messiness of relationships and and how everyone has baggage and all that. Um, I would almost argue, and again. This doesn't. This much like any bad person in a relationship. This doesn't excuse their behavior, but I think he's got as much baggage as everybody else does in that movie. Yes, he just hides behind that baggage yes. and doesn't confront it. He doesn't pick up that baggage and take it to the terminal with him. No, he to does go not. with that to go with that analogy. Um, again, this is just a fun little exercise of. Heroes can be flawed, and that's not a bad thing. Just because we have character issues sometimes doesn't stop us from loving our favorite movies, our favorite movie protagonists. Um, you can, sure, um, you can think of plenty more examples. And if you do, let us know. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. We've got uh, the five good things coming around the corner. We'll probably film that in the next couple of days and get that out to you soon about Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, we'll be delivering more content to you soon, whether it be more five good things, more topical videos. Um, and as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.